As they go, I'll invite you to find in your Bibles the book of Proverbs, chapter 1. So it's a, a new year is upon us. It's the last Sunday in 2013. Next time we see each other, it'll be 2014. Are any of you making any New Year's resolutions? See, a lot of head shaking. No, a couple yes. I won't ask you to share what they are here. It seems like every year we get a little less resolved at New Year's. I think I ask you every year. Um, If you think about this phenomenon of New Year's resolutions, I think it reveals something innate in humanity that we want to live wisely. And we want to live wisely. That's something that's just in us as creatures made in God's image. So I looked up, I found um, Franklin Planner's top 2013 resolutions. They're the ones that make the, you know, Franklin-like calendars and day planners. They did a survey of a thousand people. They made it representative of uh, America's demographics. And here were the top ones for 2013. Number 10, change overall attitude and be more positive. I wonder how you go about that one. Number nine, do more volunteer work. It's pretty good. Number eight, improve family relationships. Number seven, travel more. Number six, improve work habits slash career situation. Number five, read more slash become more educated. Number four, lose weight. That's always in the top five. It's always in the top five. Number three, improve health. Number two, improve financial condition. And number one, become physically fit. Now, I've read to you guys the statistics of how many people fail, fail, fail their resolutions by February. Nobody hardly makes it out of January still trying to keep their resolutions. But we try every year because we want to live wisely. We do not like living like fools in relation to our body. We do not like living like fools in relation to our diet or with our money or with our relationships or with our, you know, just lifestyle in general. We're uncomfortable living like fools. And I think it's because we're made in God's image. We're stewards of what God has given us from our bodies to our bank accounts, to our jobs. We're meant to live wisely. So the desire in you and in me to want to do better is good. But our ability does not always match our desire, as we find out year after year. But I have good news for you. I really believe that Jesus' work in our hearts includes making us more wise. God wants us to live wisely. And for one point of proof, the book of Proverbs is in the Bible. The book of Proverbs, um, early on in my, my walk with Christ, became my very favorite book in the Bible. I think mainly because... It's pretty easy to understand, uh, when, especially when you ease on in past uh, into chapter 10 and on. It's short little sayings of wisdom that are very easy to understand and digest, and it's meant for young people. It's a relatively easy book of the Bible to grasp. I've always loved the book of Proverbs. But its sole purpose is to teach God's people how to live wisely. He would not have included it in the Bible if he didn't want us to live wisely. So God's for you. In this quest, whatever it may be that you're resolved to do in the new year or that you wish maybe you had some more resolve to try to resolve to do in the new year, he's for you. And 
we can know wisdom, which is how Solomon puts it in the passage we're going to study today. So what what we're going to do today, I'm just introducing this whole thing. And then for the next two months through February, we're going to look at Proverbs and it'll be a different topic throughout Proverbs each Sunday. I'm, I'm still tweaking it, but next week may be money. I'm not sure. Um, today, I'm just introducing this whole idea of wisdom and Proverbs to you. It's going to be very practical, uh, hopefully very helpful and very eye-opening to see God's take on how to live wisely in the areas of finances and work and family relationships and uh, things like integrity. And I'm, I'm still winnowing down because there's so many topics. I'm not entirely sure what all we're going to hit, but... It should be good. So I'd like for us to read together. And I'll invite you, if you're able to, if you'd stand with me as an expression of honor. We'll read Proverbs chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction. To understand words of insight. To receive Instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Let's pray. Father, we are here and we do not want to be fools. We want to be wise men and women of God. Please humble us now and help us to see that you are the wise one. You are the source. You are the fountain of wisdom. That all true wisdom comes from you. Help us to see you in that light. Help us to see ourselves for who we are and in our true condition of humility and lowliness before you. Help us to see clearly where we need your wisdom. Help us to feel that need in this next 10, 15 minutes. Give us a desire, a a longing for your wisdom. And please speak to us through your word and change our hearts so that we will be open to it, receive it, be changed by it. So we would not be like scores of people who will make resolutions to live more wisely in specific areas and fail within a month. But may we be changed by the work of Jesus Christ in our heart. And please help us to be wise men and women of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So for this sermon, sort of introductory to what the next two months is going to be about, I just want to give you four points about knowing wisdom. That's what he says here in verse 2. To know wisdom. This is the foundational purpose of the book of Proverbs. That's our purpose together for the next several weeks. We want to know wisdom. And the first point I want you to understand about this is that to know wisdom is to ask God for it. To know wisdom is to ask for it. To know wisdom is to ask God for it. So look in your Bibles at verse one. Don't skip that little section in verse one. I know we can be eager to skip ahead. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Okay, I don't know how much you know about Solomon. I don't know how much you know about David, but I bet you know more about David. So think of who he was. This is the same David that took down Goliath. 
This is the David that became the famous king of Israel. This is the David that was a man after God's own heart, wrote most of the Psalms. Solomon was his son and he inherited David's throne. Okay, when he inherited David's throne, it was while David was still alive, but his health was failing. And Solomon's brother, while David's health was was failing, took the throne. So when Solomon, the rightful king, stepped in, it was in a time of great discord in the royal family. He couldn't even trust his own brother. So he's stepping into a new role, being in charge of Israel, which is a huge responsibility during a time of discord while the nation is losing their beloved King David. So try to put yourself in his shoes. I want to read to you from 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon asked God for wisdom and received it. And we see that happen in 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 through 9. Now, this is after Solomon took the throne. It says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David, his father. Only he sacrificed and made offerings at the high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon used to offer a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great and steadfast love to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in faithfulness, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart toward you. And you have kept him from this great, you have kept him, and you have kept for him this great and steadfast love, and have given him a son to sit on his throne this day. Okay, now in verse 7 is where we come to it. And now, O Lord my God, Okay, put yourself in Solomon's shoes here. Okay, you guys are responsible for many things within your families, within your businesses, within the community, within the church. Multiply that times a thousand and you're close to King Solomon's new responsibilities. And now, O oh Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of David, my father. Although I am but a little child. Now, we don't know exactly how old Solomon was here, but he wasn't literally a little child. He wasn't like Elias or Lillian's age. He had to have at least been in his 20s because we read elsewhere that he had reached what was considered manhood. So he was at least in his 20s. He's not, you know, a toddler. But figuratively speaking, he sees himself as a little child in the face of these new responsibilities. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. That's a figure of speech basically saying, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to be the king of Israel. I don't know how to go out or come in. I don't know how to conduct the public affairs of the king. I don't know how to deal with the political intrigue. I don't know how to govern this people. I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. And I know because I was trying to figure out about how many people were in the kingdom of Israel this time and I actually couldn't find the information anywhere that I felt solid enough about. A lot of people. So here's his request. God had asked him in the dream, ask of me what you would like for me to give to you. 
And here we see it in verse 9. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? It was a good request. God was very pleased with his request. And if you were to keep reading, you would see how pleased God was. But if you flip over to 1 Kings chapter 4, beginning at verse 29, you see how God answered his prayer. And God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding beyond measure and breadth of mind like the sand of the seashore. So that Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the people of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. So God answered his prayer and gave him wisdom that was just measureless, boundless, unprecedented wisdom. For he was wiser than all other men, wiser than Ethan, the Ezraite, and Heman. It looks like He-Man if you're looking at it in your Bible. But I can't bring myself to pronounce it that way and take myself seriously. Calcol and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all the surrounding nations. All those guys were famous, wise people. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees from the cedar that is in Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the wall. He spoke also of beasts and of birds and of reptiles and of fish, and people of all nations came to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So people came from all over to hear Solomon. He was so wise. Why was he so wise? How did he get there? He asked God for it. Solomon asked God for wisdom and received it. And God has invited us all to ask him for wisdom. You know, you might think, well, that's a special case for Solomon. I'm not the king of Israel. God doesn't care that much if I have wisdom and understanding. That's not true. That's not true. God has put you over whatever your little lowercase k kingdom is. Okay, it may be your family. It may be, you know, just your younger siblings. If you don't have children, it may be your job. It may be your responsibilities here at church. It it's, includes how you handle your own body, your diet, the way you take care of yourself. It includes your home. You, you have a domain And God wants you to rule wisely over it. He wants you to be a wise steward. And that's why in James 1.5 in the New Testament, he tells us, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. He'll give it generously, without reproach. He's not going to say, why do you bother me for that? Just take care of your business. He's got giant money bags full of wisdom and he just, he wants to give it to us. Solomon asked God for wisdom and received it. God has invited us, each of us, to ask him for wisdom. So I have to ask you, have you asked God for wisdom? Think of your realm, think of your kingdom. Think of your struggles within maintaining that realm and that kingdom. Have you been doing it on your own wisdom or have you asked God the way Solomon did, humbly? Have you said to him, I am not up for this task. I'm like a little child in the face of this task. I need you to give me wisdom. 
When you step on the scales, and it's, you know, it's Thanksgiving, Christmas time, the numbers always rise on our scale in our bathroom during those months. When you step on the scales and you see the number, do you say, I've got to do better? Or do you say, Lord, help me to live wisely in relation to my body and my diet? Do you ask for God to give you the wisdom to be wise or just try to do better? When you look at your bank account, when you sit down to balance your checkbook, when you try to pay your bills and you see the woeful situation that you're in, do you kick yourself and say, I've got to do better. I've got to find a better job. Or do you say, Lord, help me to be a wise steward of what you've given me. See, the Christian way is to ask God for wisdom. So the first point to know God, I'm sorry, to know wisdom is to ask God for it. But in order to ask God for it, point number two, to know wisdom is to acknowledge that you need it. To know wisdom is to acknowledge that you need wisdom. So in verse two begins the book of Proverbs and Solomon writes, to know wisdom and instruction. This is like his purpose statement for the book. This is what he wants to accomplish. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. To know, to understand, to receive, and to give. Those are the things he's hoping is going to happen. Now, did you notice that most of those are things he wants to happen for himself? He doesn't say he wants you to know. He's not saying he wants you to forgive and forgive, to receive and to understand. He's saying, I want to know, I want to understand, and I want to receive, and then I want to give. Now, most of the studies I did in preparation for this don't agree with me on that point. So I'm a little, I got to be humble about that, but I think he means that he wants still to know wisdom and that in writing all this and thinking through all this and putting pen to paper is an endeavor of his own to grow in wisdom. He still feels the need for it. He's saying, I want to know wisdom. I want to understand words of insight. I want to receive instruction in wise dealing, righteousness, justice, and equity. And I want to give prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the youth. Solomon still continued to feel his need for wisdom. Even after God had endowed him with measureless wisdom, he's still exercising that muscle. He's still trying to grow. If you really want to learn something, teach it. Any Sunday school teachers can attest to the veracity of that. If you really want to learn scripture, Put yourself in a position where you have to teach it and you will learn like you've never learned before. That's what happened to me when I was just out of high school. I was asked to teach the middle school youth, which was really foolish. I was not ready for that. But man, it got me in here in a way I had never been in here before. It gets you past that point of just hoping it wears off to where you actually have to wrestle with, you actually have to think through it. I think the book of Proverbs is the result of Solomon trying to wrestle with wisdom, trying to get it, trying to know it, trying to understand it, trying to receive it, and trying to give it. But of the fourfold purpose that he lays out, the giving is only one part of it. Three parts of it seem to focus on he's still trying to gain wisdom. 
So Solomon continued to feel the need for wisdom. And I want to suggest to you that in order to find your need for wisdom, if you didn't walk in here feeling like you needed it, if you're bored right now because you don't feel like you need it, to find your need for wisdom, look for those areas in your life where you feel like a little child. To find where you need wisdom, look for those areas in your life where you feel like a little kid in the face of your responsibilities, in the face of your challenges, in the face of your decisions. He says here in my translation, the ESV, his fourth purpose is to give prudence to the simple. Knowledge and discretion to the youth. Solomon is assuming that there are people out there who feel the same way he did when he took the throne. Remember when he said back in 1 Kings, I'm a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. This whole book is him wrestling with that and endeavoring to help other people who feel that way. Proverbs is for the simple, which could also be translated the naive or literally the overly open-minded. There's a translation called God's Word Translation. Here's how it translates that verse. To give insight to the gullible people. To give knowledge and foresight to the young. That word for simple is basically just people who, they don't know the tricks of the trade of life. They don't don't know anything yet. (laughs) They, They don't know how to go out or come in. They haven't learned it. That word he uses for youth or young at the very end of verse 4. Literally, it's lads, like a little somebody you pat on the head. So my question for you here, what area of your life do you feel like a simple little lad? Like just a little kid, you don't know what you need to know to be able to handle this. It's like Elias, he wants so bad to build a real life-size working robot out of metal and real working electronics. I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, I've even tried to like get with him and like build a, a model of it. He's like, that's not going to actually work. That's not going to help me take over the world. You know, he's a little lad. He, he doesn't know, and I can't do it either. There's many tasks that we face, many responsibilities that we face where we feel like a little simple lad. And I want you to hone in on that now. See that in front of you. I have mine in front of me. Um, a couple of mine, maybe to get your wheels turning. One area that I definitely feel like a little kid is the area of discernment about people. You know, I, I am responsible for you guys. And I read through the pastoral epistles and I see that I'm supposed to be teaching you. And I'm kind of comfortable with that, but I'm also supposed to be like rebuking you, pointing out sin kind of aggressively that's in your lives. Um, but at the same time, I'm supposed to bear with people patiently um, there's some people that, that just need patience. There's some people that need a harsh word. There's some people that just need to be instructed. And it is not easy to determine who's who. And I don't want to let you down because I'm a people pleaser and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have hard conversations with you. I need wisdom. I'm like a little kid here. I, I don't know how to go in and come out. Another area is in the area of um, just organizational leadership uh, that's been a major theme of 2013 is how my um, lack of skill 
and wisdom in that area has held us back as a church in many ways. It's been a hindrance. And I have to believe God wants me to have the wisdom I need to do well in that area too. So I've been praying for that. I've, been asked, I've asked people to pray for those two specific things for me. I'll ask you the same. Um, but, you know, in many respects, leading a group of people. When I came to be your pastor, I had never led anything. I'd never been in a position like this. Talk about feeling like a little lad. And still, yeah, I don't know how to go out or come in. But I cling to this God's invitation. If you lack wisdom, come and ask for it. And I am, and I do. You know, more on the home front with money matters. You know, I want to be taking care of my family, looking forward on in terms of, you know, retirement savings, that stuff. Man, that overwhelms me immediately. I'm, I'm getting sleepy just talking about it with you right now. But, you know, God's called me to be the man in my home and I have to believe he's going to give me the wisdom to do it. So what's your, what's your stuff? Where do you feel like a little kid? You don't know how to go in or come out. You feel like a child. That's the area. Maybe it's in relationships. Maybe it's with your job or career. Maybe it's with uh, just personal character issues. That's probably the area that the Holy Spirit is prompting you. Ask the Father like Solomon did. The promise of Proverbs is that this book will enable us to navigate all these areas like somebody with years of successful experience. That's what Proverbs offers you. You ever watch the, a movie? I know you haven't. But some people watch movies and they used to make a lot of movies and the scenario was the seasoned cop and the rookie cop. And they got teamed up and hilarious hijinks ensued. Um, I think in the 80s especially, it seemed like a lot of movies came out where there was the seasoned, hardened police officer and then the rookie one would come in, uh, call him wet behind the ears, didn't know the tricks of the trade. Everybody in the precincts playing jokes on him. See, what we have to realize, we're all rookies. None of us have lived a life before this one. I have never been a 31-year-old pastor of a church and family man before. I'm doing it right now for the first time. You know, you've never been your age with your exact responsibilities before. And this is our only chance. And we don't get to, this isn't like the practice go, you know, with the Wii that we just bought, they give you ample practice swings, to try to figure out how the golf thing works or the boxing thing works. And then you do the real thing. This is the real thing right now. And we're all rookies. So that's a pretty dangerous situation to be in. But praise God, he gives us a whole book designed to help us Live like we're experienced, like we're the seasoned police officer. So to know wisdom is to ask for it. To know wisdom is to acknowledge our need for it. Point number three. Wait, did I skip a point? I never have this many pages of notes. Point number three, to know wisdom is to acquire it. Okay, to know wisdom is to acquire it, to go get it. Let me show you where I get that from. Reading on in Proverbs chapter 1, after he states his purpose, in verse 5 he goes on, Let the wise hear, let the wise hear and increase in learning. And the one who understands, obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. I don't really know that my translation, the ESV, nails it on this. As I was looking at other translations, I think that they they may not be as accurate as some other ones. For instance, the God's word translation I mentioned says, 
Instead of let the wise hear, it says a wise person will listen and continue to learn. That seems to be a better flow of the original language from what I can understand. Instead of an invitation, let the wise person hear. It's a statement of fact. A wise person will listen and continue to learn. And an understanding person will gain direction. To understand a proverb and a clear say, a clever saying, the words of wise people and their riddles. So wise people listen and learn. Wise people listen and learn. They obtain guidance. They gain direction. They acquire wisdom. Fools plug their ears, don't listen, don't learn, don't grow, don't change, make the same foolish, foolish mistakes in their 30s that they made in their 20s, that they made in their teens. And then years go by, they're making the same foolish mistakes in their 60s, that they made in their 50s, that they made in their 40s. Fools don't grow in wisdom. But wise people listen and learn. Wise people are humble in that respect. They've already acknowledged that they need wisdom. They've already asked God for it. They're open to it. So God's inviting you now. He's saying, listen to me. Listen to me and increase in learning. Ask me for direction and guidance and I'll give it to you. Are you open to it? Are you open to hearing wisdom from God? After all, where else are you going to get wisdom in the practical matters of daily life? Pinterest? Your buddies on Facebook? The magazine rack? Those lifestyle TV shows? We have God himself sitting here in front of us saying, I'm right here for you. I wrote a book to help you live wisely. Which brings us to our final, most important point. To know wisdom is first and foremost to fear the Lord. Look at Proverbs 1, 7. This is a famous verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fearing the Lord here in this context, I believe it means Well, fear of the Lord always means revering him with the proper awe. He's God. All right, I only have one illustration for this. I've used it every time and I'm going to use it again. Okay, imagine a mouse runs in that door. Okay, Will Boston sees it, shrieks like a girl, jumps up on the pew. How do you react to the mouse that runs through the door? And some of you wouldn't be too struck by it, but some of you would be terrified. Okay, so... The mouse runs through the door. Now imagine a lion runs through this door. Are you thinking about the mouse anymore? Who cares about the mouse? There's a lion in the room. God is always the lion in the room. He is always the most important fact of whatever reality you're facing. He is always the most important voice that you could possibly listen to to receive wisdom. In this context, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge means get this. Before anything else, God has spoken to give you wisdom. There is no voice that comes close. There's no source of wisdom that comes anywhere near God himself. And understanding that is the beginning. If you try to move on and start living wisely without understanding that, you will fail. Your whole trajectory will be off course. 
Fear means respect. Fear means hearing him, listening to him, learning from him, obtaining guidance from him, gaining direction from him, seeking his counsel above and beyond and before anybody else's. And then the Bible teaches very plainly, if we don't do these things, we're fools. If we try to build our lives ignoring this, with this closed, we're fools. And it's as though we despise wisdom and instruction. We must hate wisdom and instruction if we're going to ignore God himself trying to give it to us. We must hate it. We must despise it. What other explanation could there be to not listen to the God of the universe who created this whole thing as he explains to us how to live in it? The fear of the Lord is where wisdom begins. You can't truly know anything without this most foundational understanding. He is the great I am. He is the creator of the universe. He is the one that made you. He is the one that made all the laws of physics and time. How many of us know someone who was really smart and really clever and really talented, yet ruined their lives with foolish living? Do you know people like that? I do. You know, I know a guy, I went to high school with him, and he was always the smartest of any of us. He always knew the answers to everything. He was brilliant. Really talented in other areas of life. You you play Trivial Pursuit with him, and you might as well just give up. He He knew everything. I don't know how. Good communicator. He could have, he could have accomplished so much, but he lived like a fool. I think he would even admit that he lived like a fool, spent his money on ridiculous purchases and dug himself deep into debt before you know any of the rest of us guys even knew what debt was. He got involved in foolish relationships with women that caused incredible damage to them and heartache, and yeah, he missed the beginning. Of knowledge, He missed the foundation and everything he tried to build with his intellect just kept crumbling, kept collapsing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So your desire to live wisely is good. God put it there. He wants you to live wisely and he's made a way for you to live wisely. So let's ask for it. Let's acknowledge our need for it. Let's acquire it. Let's fear the Lord. As we enter 2014, I want to invite you with me. I feel my need for it very acutely. Maybe some of you do. I want to invite you with me. Let's, Let's really seek wisdom from the Lord for this year. Really, like really in clear, concrete ways. I don't just mean, oh, that's a nice sentiment. No, really, let's do it together. Now let's pray together and ask God for it. We're about to sing a song and it's a great time to come forward if there's some specific area in your life and you want to come. And just because it, it, it does separate you and it makes it a clear thing that you're doing when you come up here, to pray up here and ask God for wisdom. If you'd like for me to pray with you, I'm happy to do that. You know, let's acknowledge our need for wisdom together. Share that thing with people. 
You know, for me, it just meant emailing a couple people who have told me that they pray for me regularly. And the email just said, you said you pray for me regularly. I need prayer in these areas. Please pray for me. You know, share it with trusted people. House to house is a great place to do this. FYI. Let's acquire it together through study. So Proverbs, I've told you, is maybe the easiest book in the Bible to understand. There's 31 chapters. Okay, that's... You, know, you could read a chapter a day just about and read it in a month. Why don't you, in your effort to acquire wisdom, try to read a chapter per day during these two months that we're working through Proverbs together? We've got to acquire it. We've got to get it. We've got to be like Solomon. We've got to you know, write it down what you need wisdom for, like Solomon did. But above all, let's fear the Lord. And we chose this last song be thou my vision, because it's a good song, a good musical reminder of what it means to fear the Lord. But that's where it begins. So would you pray with me that God would enable us to do these things? Father, I thank you that you, you're not only concerned with heavenly realities, but also, also earthly realities. Thank you that you've given us an entire book to give us wisdom. Lord, we as a church and me as a representative of this whole body, Lord, I I ask you for wisdom. Please give us wisdom. We need it in so many ways, so many different facets of our lives. We acknowledge before you that we are like little children. We don't know how to go in or come out and we need wisdom. Please strengthen us for the task of acquiring it. Please call us into your word to read and study and share together. But above all, do that Holy Spirit work in our hearts wherein we fear you above and beyond and before all else. In Jesus' name, amen.